Good morning, and welcome to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. Today is Saturday, October 15th, 2022, and we are broadcasting live from the northwest side of the city of Chicago on this beautiful October morning. My name is David Canfield, and I'll be your host for this hour. You can visit us online at thechristianfaith.org. And if you would like to send us an email with comments or questions about the program or about the Christian life in general, you can do that at notes at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to past editions of this program, you can just click on the media tab on our website, and under there you'll find a link to the podcast. And you can also find it directly on iTunes or Spotify. And so I should say, uh, I want to begin this morning just by mentioning that uh, right now the program is scheduled to be on the air until the end of October. Uh, so we have uh, today and a couple more programs after that. And uh, we'll see what happens after that. But right now uh, we are scheduled uh, to uh, be on the air until then and then, uh, and then we'll be off the air. However, uh, we, our plan is to continue the podcast after that as the Lord allows. So that's that's the current uh, current plan, and we just want to make sure our listeners knew that. So, um, And in this program today, we're going to be talking about the new birth. And this is part of our series uh, that we've been doing uh, on the meaning of life. And the reason we're doing this series on the meaning of life is because we recently posted a video online about that topic. It's at the website fourbottles.org. And we've we've talked a little bit about that video, uh, so I'll just briefly kind of uh, recap it here, that uh, we use four bottles to illustrate what the meaning of life is. And the first bottle is an empty bottle. And that signifies that we were created to contain something, just like a soda pop bottle is, contained, is created excuse me, to contain soda pop. <clears throat> So that's the first bottle. The second bottle is a bottle that's uh, dirty on the outside and filled with all kinds of junk on the inside. And that signifies the fact that we became fallen and sinful. And the third bottle signifies, is well, it's a clean bottle, and it signifies that when we believe in Christ, our sins are forgiven and we're cleansed. And we need to have that cleansing because just like you wouldn't put your soda pop in a dirty bottle, you wouldn't, uh, God would not put his divine life into us while we're in our fallen, sinful condition. He wouldn't do that. So he had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. And that's what happens when we believe in Jesus Christ. We're cleansed and we're forgiven of our sins. And the last bottle is a bottle that is filled up with the soda. And that signifies that God gives us his divine life when we believe in Christ. On the negative side, our sins are forgiven. But on the positive side, we receive God's divine life. His purpose isn't simply to have a clean bottle. He's not looking for people who are, who are just good people. What God wants is to have many children. And that happens. We become his children when we believe in Jesus Christ and he gives us his divine life. And then we just have a sense within. Now I know what my life is for. Now I know why I exist. I have this life God originally created me to have. And so I'm fulfilling the purpose for which I was created, just like that bottle is fulfilling the purpose for which it was created. And so that's just a, a brief uh, uh, explanation of that video. And again, you can see that see that on the website, fourbottles.org. But it's, it, it's a brief video. It, it's only about three minutes long. And so we've been, in these programs, we've been uh, explaining in a fuller way what these concepts are all about. And today we've we've covered... Uh, because we've covered the first three bottles in that video, uh, we want to focus on this last one, the one that shows how we are meant to receive God's divine life in Christ. And that happens when we are born anew in Christ. So the topic this morning is really, what is the new birth in Christ? What is that all about? Uh, that's a mystery for so many people. They have a hard time uh, understanding what the new birth is. They don't really have any concept about it at all. You know, I certainly didn't when I was growing up. I, I grew up in a Presbyterian church out in Arlington Heights, and uh, it was never a topic, uh, the new birth in Christ. And I know uh, many uh, Catholics, uh, of course, we live in, an, in a, this uh, on the northwest side of the city of Chicago. You have many Catholics. We were, we were at a uh, city festival here 
uh, this past summer <clears throat> in August, Jeff Fest, which is a, it's a, a really good outreach for us. I always it's always neat to have the chance to talk to people about this, and that's where we we do this presentation with the four bottles as a way of presenting the gospel, and it's always very effective. People appreciate it. That's why we wanted to make a video out of it. And so we have a chance to talk to a lot of people. And we spoke in particular to a lot of young people. That was very encouraging who were interested because they see the world situation. I think they're, they're just wondering, how can, how can we live in a world like this? And so it seems like uh, I felt the Lord was doing something to open these young people to himself. And so we had a good chance to talk to a lot of people about the gospel using, using that uh, four bottles of video. But uh, we also sp had a chance to speak to... Uh, on one occasion, there was a, a couple of older Catholic women came by, and I was talking with them and explaining to them how the Bible shows us that we need to be born again. And they're, they're, they responded. They said, no, 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 that's, that's, for, that's for Protestants. That's, that's, that's not for Catholics. Only, only Protestants talk about being born again. And so I opened the Bible, and I showed them John chapter 3, verse 7, where Jesus said, you must be born again. And there's different ways you can translate that. You must be born anew or you must be born from above. But however you want to say it, the fact is we need to have the new birth in Christ if we want to follow Christ. And they saw that verse. They had no idea that verse was even in the Bible. And these are very, you know, it seemed like pretty serious uh, Catholics. And uh, their thought was, no, we, we're just, that's, that's something, we practice the Christian faith a different way and, and Protestants talk about being born again. I, I want, and I want to make it clear here, I'm not a Protestant. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, but that's, of course, was their concept. Their concept is if you're not a Catholic and you're a Christian, then you must be a Protestant. <clears throat> but, uh, but they just didn't have any concept that, no, Jesus said we must be born again, born anew. That's, so it's not optional. He made it very clear. The new birth is not optional. Uh, and if you look at the cha the context of that chapter in John chapter three, uh, it's also clear it, he's not referring to infant baptism. When he said that, he was talking to an older man. He was telling this older man, Nicodemus, "You must be born again." I encourage you to read that section, John chapter three, verses three through seven, uh, talk about the new birth. So. It's not something that happens, and this is this is Catholic teaching, as I understand it. They say you you, yeah yeah yeah. If you talk to your priest, they'll say yes. We talk about we have the new birth that happens when we're christened, uh, a few days after we're born, or a short time after we're born. But the Bible is very clear. Um, <clears throat> baptism is for those who believe in Christ. It means we take a stand. I take a stand now as a believer in Christ that my old life is over. Baptism signifies our death and resurrection with Christ. So when we are publicly baptized, we are testifying to the world that my old life is over. Now I belong to Christ and I've, I've been risen from the dead. Just as I come up out of the water in baptism, I've been risen, I'm risen from the dead. So now I can walk in newness of life. Uh, Romans chapter six, uh, verses one to six, uh, really uh, are, are very good for explaining this that that's what baptism signifies. So baptism is for those who believe in Christ. So you're not born anew when you're christened. I and I was uh, raised Presbyterian. I was christened, you know. And there's just there's never anything in the New Testament about infants being baptized. Uh it just it, but that's the what everybody practices that. It's not just Catholics. There's so many of the Protestant denominations practice this matter of infant baptism. But I want to be clear, when we're talking about the new birth and when the New Testament's talking about the new birth, it's not talking about that. It's talking about how we open our heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. We have to be responsible moral agents to experience the new birth in Christ, to allow him to come and live within our heart. And uh, so that takes, a, it's, it's an act of our will. It's We hear the word in, in, in more than one place in, in the New Testament it talks about we're uh, regenerated uh, by the living and abiding word of God. It's First uh, Peter. It, the Apostle Peter says that. Uh, Rome, it's First Peter 1, I believe, verse 23. I'm not quite sure. Uh, it's through the word. When we hear the word, we believe. And, we, and, and then we open our hearts and we say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. That's when you are born anew and that's when you should be baptized.
Um, and so you have to get through that and help people understand it's, again, it's not optional. It's something we have to experience. We have to open our own heart to the Lord. No one can do that for you. You have to do that yourself and say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. Now, I, 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 let me just give you my own testimony uh, of how I experienced this. And I have a, a video about this up on, on YouTube, uh, which you can access via the website under the uh, Table Talks tab. Uh, I was out on the East Coast, and uh, uh, the Lord brought me to a brother and brought us together. And he shared with me uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. And because he asked me the question, he said, what makes a person a Christian? And I had already, by that time, I already wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to, I thought I wanted to, uh, I was going to serve him in politics. I wanted to please God. But I'd never really thought about that. What makes a person a Christian? And I, I really, like I say in the video, it just brought me up short. I had, wow, I'd never thought about that really. Is it because you go to church? Is it because you read the Bible? Is it because you, you want to do good? And uh, But he showed me these verses, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. And Verse 9 says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you do not belong to Christ. Uh, the, the King James says it. The King James puts it in a very strong way. If you don't have the Spirit, you are none of his. I really, I, I like that, uh, that phrasing. Of course, it's a very negative statement, right? but it's a very, you do not belong to him. You're none of his. And that really opened my eyes because it didn't matter whether I was going to church or not. It didn't matter if I was reading the Bible or not in that sense. If I didn't have the spirit of Christ, I didn't belong to him. And I would say the same thing to you this morning. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to him. I don't say that to condemn anyway, anybody. That was my situation. I was 25 years old when I was saved. Uh, but the Bible makes it very clear that's the dividing line. If you don't have the Spirit, you do not belong to him. Again, that's Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But verse 10 goes on and says, But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So to belong to Christ, to be a Christian, means that you have Christ living inside of you. Well, if that's the case, then the next question is, how can I get Christ living inside of me? And uh, the brother who uh, preached the gospel, gospel to me, his name was Bill. He, he just made it clear, you open your heart and you tell the Lord you want him to come and live inside of you. Uh, and people talk about having Jesus come and live in their heart. Well, that, that's, that's really what it is. It's you're asking Jesus to come and, and live inside of you. When, and that's what happens when you are born again. Jesus comes and he enters into your heart and becomes your life within. That's the new birth in Christ. And that was my experience. And again, I had no concept of that until I was out in Washington, D.C. And I can tell you the date. It was March 20th, 1983. Praise the Lord for that. Almost 40 years ago, which just seems completely incredible to me. But that's the day I was born anew. And uh, I, I always am so thankful to the Lord for bringing Bill into my life and for showing me those verses and encouraging me to open my heart to the Lord and to take that step. And that's when I crossed over from death into life. Praise the Lord. But everyone has to have that experience for themselves. You know, I can talk about it. I can share about it a little, a little bit with you. But I can't do that for you. Your pastor, your priest, your parents, your friends can't open your heart for you. You have to take that step yourself and say, Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to come and live inside of me. I want you to live in my heart. Forgive me, Jesus, for my sins. I open my heart and I give myself to you. Thank you for being my Savior. Praise the Lord. So that, that's how we experience the new birth, and which, uh, again, is to allowing Jesus to come and live inside of us. Uh, again, he, he, to use the, go back to the analogy of the bottles, uh, he died for our sins so we could be cleansed and forgiven. But God isn't just after that empty, clean bottle. He wants to come and live inside of you. And that happens when you receive his divine life, praise the Lord. So um, so that is basically how we can experience the new birth in Christ, praise the Lord. And so uh, maybe that's enough for this segment. In the next segment, we'll go on and we'll try to define a little more fully what the new birth really is.
This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by His mercy, may use the ChristianFaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in Him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for His purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life, and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab, or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for His sake and His glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. So now we wanted to um, really define in a, in a more, uh, in a fuller way, what the new birth really is, so people have a clear understanding of what we're really talking about here. And to be clear about this and, and what the new birth is, we have to have a, a very basic understanding about how we were created, and that is we are three-part beings. And by that, I mean we have a spirit, we are a soul, and we have a body. To put it another way, we are souls. Uh, the Bible is very clear about that, and, and I think people in general seem to be very clear about that. Uh, you know, you can say there were, in, in Acts, they talk of, uh, when Paul's uh, sailing at the end of the book of Acts, it says there were 276 souls on the ship with him. And there's, there's other verses, and people often talk about the, how many souls were uh, in this or that ship, whatever. But, uh, but we are souls. And so as human beings who are essentially a soul, outwardly we have a physical body. And that's obvious. Everybody can see that. That's the outward part of our being, our physical body. Inwardly, we have a spirit, a human spirit. But that's a hidden part. We can't see that. But it's inward. And so it's crucial to understand that, to understand what the new birth is, that we have these three parts of our being. We are a soul, and we have outwardly a body, and we have inwardly a spirit. And we want to be very clear, and the New Testament is very clear, the spirit and the soul are two distinct parts of our being. First uh, Thessalonians 5, verse 23, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul prays that our whole body and soul and spirit may be preserved complete. So he makes a very clear distinction there between the spirit and the soul. And also uh, Hebrews 4.12 is another very definite verse. It's, it talks about the word of God is living and active and able to separate even to the dividing of soul and spirit, both of joints and marrow. So again, we see the soul and the spirit can be divided because they are two distinct parts of our being. And this is so important uh, to have a clear understanding of this if we want to be clear about what the new birth really is. Because there are different aspects of the salvation we have in Christ and they're carried out in the different parts of our being. So and we're gonna, we'll go back uh, uh, in reverse order here. Now, just to briefly consider these three different parts, uh, three different uh, stages of salvation. The last one is going to be glorification. And I think... Uh, uh, just about every every Christian has a, some kind of concept of this. Now that's uh, in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty two talks about that. Uh, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Paul says uh, we're going to be glorified. That refers to our physical body. At that time, we're going to put off these mortal bodies, and the divine life will permeate our our body, and it will become something glorified and outwardly glorious. That's the glorification we're going to experience. And that's just going to be in a moment, as the Apostle Paul says, in a twinkling of an eye. Uh, and that's going to happen in the future. But that's the final stage of salvation. 
That, again, relates to our physical body. Today, what we're experiencing as the believers in Christ, after we've believed in the Lord, we experience what the Bible calls transformation. And that's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's also in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, that's a wonderful verse. It says, We all, beholding and reflecting as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And Romans 12, uh, verse 2 says, uh, The apostle urges us, uh, exhorts us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, our mind is who we are, so that's a part of our soul. So the New Testament is showing us this transformation takes place in our soul. And that's a lifelong process. That, 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 that does not take place in an instant. That is a lifelong process we should be experiencing today, along with sanctification. Sanctification is on the negative side, separating us out from everything that's not of God. Transformation is on the positive side, where we are, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we are conformed to the image of Christ. Praise the Lord for that. That's a lifelong process. Uh, and that takes place in our soul. It prepares us to be with the Lord. So that's, that's the second stage. But what's the initial stage? The initial stage is the new birth. That's where our Christian life begins. Uh, and that's in John. That relates to our spirit. And that's very clear in John chapter 3, verse 6. When Jesus is talking with Nicodemus about the new birth, he says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So where, where do we receive this divine life when we're born anew? It is in our human spirit. That's where uh, God, uh, you know, we, we talk, we use this phrase, Jesus comes and live in our heart, to live in our heart. And that's true. But, but specifically, to be specific about that, he comes and lives in our, he, live, he comes and imparts his life into our spirit. And at that moment, we are regenerated. Uh, and that's the phrase the Apostle Peter uses. That's in uh, uh, First Peter. I didn't have that first prepared, but it's in First Peter uh, chapter 1. It's, that's verse 23. Actually, I had that wrong before. First uh, Peter 1, 23. We have been regenerated, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the living and abiding word of God. So when we hear the word of God, like you're hearing the word of God this morning, right? On this program, we're speaking the word of God. If you, when you hear the word of God and the Lord touches your heart and you open your heart to the Lord, you are regenerated with the divine life in your spirit. Praise the Lord. That's where the divine life comes into our being. Now, as we said before, if we want to follow Christ, the new, the new birth is not optional. Jesus was very clear, John chapter 3, verse 7, you must be born again. So, we have to have this life if we want to be those who are followers of Christ. Now, he's talking with Nicodemus there. And I'll look at, let's look at those verses because this is really the, the key chap, uh, section in the New Testament about the matter of the new birth. Uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus. He was looking for some kind of teaching. Uh, but Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if we're not born again, we can't even see the kingdom of God. It's, we just can't, right? Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? So this is not talking about infant baptism. You are not regenerated through infant baptism. That's just a lie. No, that, don't believe anyone who says that. You are, need to be born again when you are old. doesn't mean old, you know, like an old man, but you need to be um, old enough to understand what's going on, to hear the word of God. Then you can be born again. Uh, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is is spirit. So, the new birth 
takes place in our spirit and it is necessary for us to enter into the kingdom of God. You know, if I uh, want to partake of and be a part of the animal kingdom, I have to have the life of an animal. To be in the plant kingdom, you have to have the plant life, right? If you want to be with a fish, you have to have the life of a fish, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. To enter into the kingdom of God, it requires a certain life. Remember we said before, the whole Bible shows us God wants to give us his life. So the kingdom here that he's talking about is not only something of God's outward ruling. Yes, it includes that. But it is especially a realm of life. And to enter into this realm, we have to have the life of that realm. And that happens when we receive this uh, new birth, when we open our heart and receive the Lord and ask him to come and live inside of us. Praise the Lord. You know, when we believe in Christ, on the negative side, our sins are forgiven. But we mainly talked about that in, in, in the previous uh, program on this topic. Uh, that's the cleansing and the washing. And we have to have that cleansing and washing. Because, because if we're in a sinful, fallen condition, God will not give himself to us. But that cleansing and the washing is for something else. It's for us to receive the divine life. And I want to say it again, you know, to go back to the, uh, the, the analogy of the bottles. God isn't just after clean bottles. We have to be very clear about this. We're, he's not just trying to get us to be good people. And, and, and so many people, when, when you treat Christianity as a religion, they have this concept. Give me these teachings. It's just like Nicodemus coming to Jesus. Give me some teachings so I know how to be a good person, so I know how to live an upright life. He acknowledged Jesus. He knew. He said, no, man. Uh, we know you're, you're sent from God because no one could do the signs you're doing uh, unless uh, he was sent from God. So Nicodemus was clear about that. And he was, he was a decent, uh, moral man uh, from what we see of him in, in the Gospels. And, and so many people in Christianity are just like this. They know Jesus is something special. They know he's a, uh, they see all that he's done, all that he is doing. And they know he has to be someone who was sent from God. But their concept is he was sent from God to teach us about how to be good people. And so they go to church, uh, Lord's Day by Lord's Day, and they, uh, Sunday by Sunday, and, they, and they, to get some teachings, to get some help to be a good person. But when this man came to Jesus, Jesus set all of that aside. He said, forget about that. I'm not here to teach you. He said, you don't understand. You have to be born again. He didn't say that to a sinful person. That's in, in the next chapter. He talks to the Samaritan woman who was leading quite a sinful life. But to Nicodemus, to the moral, the good, the upright man, he said, you have to be born again. And so, so many people today who, who think they're Christians, uh, because we live in a, in, a, in a country, to some extent at least, that is culturally Christian, we feel uh, that makes me a Christian. No, the fact that you try to, to follow Jesus, the try, fact that you, uh, that you, even if you go to church and you're doing so many things, I was in that same boat. That was my case. But I had no concept of this new birth. But when you actually come to Jesus, do you know what he's going to say to you? You might say, Jesus, give me some teaching. Help me to be a good person. Jesus is going to say to you, you must be born again. You must be born anew, just like he said to Nicodemus. And it's so important to, to speak this kind of word today because so many people simply don't have the concept that they need to be born anew. And, uh, you know, I think back on how many people in the, the congregation I grew up with, they're out in Arlington Heights, how many people had no concept because they weren't being helped in church to hear this. They weren't getting this word when they went to church on Sunday morning. They, you know, there was all... Uh, and these weren't bad people and the people at the church weren't bad people. And uh, But... Uh, there was no uh, word of the gospel consistently preached in the church there. Now, I think that there was, we had one pastor there in particular, uh, I would be pretty sure was a, a real saved believer, but I, I just don't recall hearing the gospel there, at least in a sermon. Now, I think maybe in some of the young people's groups or something, maybe some of that was going on in individual conversations. Uh, but again, I just never heard it, and I'm very concerned that many of the people who were there never heard it, so... Uh, and so when I consider that, I just, within me, I just have to groan because I know in so many of these, these mainline denominations, uh, they simply lost any 
real preaching of the gospel. Uh, and there's no word of the gospel going out. And frankly, that's why those churches are dying. That's why they're being, well, the Lord's not going to honor that. So we need to stress this word today that uh, uh, of this nece the necessity of the new birth in Christ. Again, on the negative side, our sins are forgiven. On the positive side, we receive the divine life. And again, we want to be very clear that uh, it, where that takes place is in our human spirit. Uh, that uh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We can say in a general way, Jesus comes to live in our heart. But specifically, uh, he comes to live in our human spirit. Praise the Lord for that. Well, um, maybe, okay, maybe that's enough. Uh, we'll keep the segment a little shorter because in the next segment, I want to go on and cover what is the result of the new birth. Uh, once we have this new birth, that's wonderful. Now we need to go on and see what is the result of the new birth that we have in Christ. So we'll get into that when we come back uh, at the start of the next segment. This program is produced along with our website, thechristianfaith.org, to help address the need for a healthy word of ministry among God's children today. In the Old Testament, the Lord tells us through the prophet Hosea, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Our prayer is that the Lord, by his mercy, may use the christianfaith.org website and the Christian Faith Radio Hour to help the believers in Christ grow in our knowledge both of our Savior and of our faith in him, so that we may stand more firmly for the Lord and for his purpose in these dark times. Visit us online for articles on the Bible and the Christian life and to sign up for our e-letter, which deals with various biblical topics. To listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify. And if you have questions or comments about what you've heard on this program or on our website, or about the Christian faith in general, send us a note at questions at thechristianfaith.org. May this program and the christianfaith.org website be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and to all of God's children, for his sake and his glory. Amen. Hello, and welcome back to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. In this segment, as I was saying, we, we want to see what is the result of the new birth. Because so much happens when we're born again in Christ. You know, praise the Lord for that. To be born anew is just it's a tremendous event. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And it, it's just it's really an earth-shaking event in our life. And uh, so we have to have, if when we believe in the Lord, we should have some concept of what has happened to us now that we have believed in Christ and been born anew. And as we said several times, praise the Lord, our sins are forgiven. That's one of the first blessings that we receive when we believe in Christ Jesus. Uh, and we've, we've talked about that before. We can have, secondly, we can have the assurance of our salvation. Once I believe in Christ, my eternal, eternal destiny is settled. I know I am going to be with Christ for eternity. I'm going to be in a, in a, a, a state of blessing with God and with Christ for eternity. Praise the Lord for that. I, can, I should never doubt my eternal destiny once I believed in Christ because his salvation secures my eternal destiny. John 5.24 is a very strong verse in this regard. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Praise the Lord for that. So we can have the assurance once we're born again of our salvation, that we have crossed over and that we will forever belong to Christ. A third thing that happens is that we're transferred from Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom. And in Acts 26, 18, uh, uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul is telling the story of how the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus and commissioned him. And he, here's what the Lord said to him. He said he was sending him to the Gentiles to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. Praise the Lord for that. So here we see a number of the blessings that we receive when we believe in Christ. And, and, and what happened, what's necessary for this process to happen, the first thing the Lord says is, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes. You know, you can't believe in the Lord until your eyes are opened. And that's uh, the responsibility of those who serve the Lord, to preach the gospel in such a way uh, and by the power of the Spirit so that the eyes are, of those who hear are opened. And, they're, and, they're, and they, suddenly they see what they didn't see before. That's so important uh, in preaching the gospel. We need to be before the Lord and trust him and, and pray, Lord, open the eyes of those who uh, are hearing this word. And I would say this morning, Lord, open the ears, open the eyes of those who are hearing this word to really see what it is we're talking about. Praise the Lord, because only then can you really open your heart to the Lord. The first thing is to open the eyes of those who hear. Then the second thing is, it says, in order to turn them from darkness to light. So when your eyes are opened, suddenly you're going to realize, wait a minute, my eyes are open. I'm in darkness. Even though my eyes are open, I can't see anything. That helps you to have a turn and realize, oh, I need to have a turn from being in this kind of darkness, a turn to the light. That's the second step in the process. Once your eyes are open, you have a way to realize that you're not in the light, you're in darkness. And so you need to have a turn. And then the third thing is turn them from the power of Satan to God. Because once you see this light, you're going to realize I've been living my life under the authority of Satan under the power of Satan. And the Bible is very clear. The whole world lies in the evil one. Uh, that's First John chapter 5. Uh, I'm not sure of the reference. So when your eyes are open and you realize you're in darkness, you're also going to have a realization. I've been living my life in Satan's kingdom. But because we've been born again, we can have a transfer from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. That's the, that's the third blessing we receive in the new birth. And then uh, the Lord goes on in that, uh, that verse, Acts 26, 18. He says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among all those who are sanctified by faith in me. So at that point, our sins are forgiven and we receive this inheritance that we have in Christ. Praise the Lord. That's, a, uh, that's just a wonderful verse talking about what happens to us when we're saved and what's necessary for us to be saved. Uh, Colossians 1, 12 and 13 is another verse that talks about uh, the transfer from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. That says, we should be giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. We just need to have a deep realization once we're born again, once we believed in the Lord, that we've had a transfer. Part of that is confessing and realizing before I was living in darkness. I was living in the kingdom of Satan before. And, and you know, this, uh, the ruler of this world is Satan, right? This is his kingdom. Uh, this is his hour, right? If you're a believer in Christ, you're living, so to speak, behind enemy lines. Not an easy thing to do. But when we believe in Christ, we suddenly wake up and realize, now I see this whole kingdom lies in, this whole world lies in the evil one. And I've been transferred out of that kingdom. Now I'm living for God's kingdom and I have to live my life in a different way than I did before because now I'm living in the kingdom of God. I'm not living in the kingdom of Satan anymore. Praise the Lord for that. So that's, that's the third thing. We have this transfer from Satan's kingdom to God's kingdom. Then the next, the next thing is we have a life that makes us God's real genuine children. And this is really an important point to understand. Because a lot of Christians are not clear about this. John chapter 1, 12 and 13 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So to say that we're children of God, we're not speaking in a metaphorical sense. It's not a, it's not a metaphor. What we're saying is, because we have received God's own divine life, that makes me God's real, genuine, natural-born child. 
I'm a human being because I have the human life. Uh, you know, I have the life my father gave me, right? And, you know, and that makes me uh, who I am today. I have that same life. So in uh, spiritual terms, we, because we receive God's divine life, we are real, actual children of God. We're natural-born children. And, and, and it's very unfortunate that in, in many translations today, just about all of them, they use in several places in the New Testament, they say we've been adopted. Or they, they say, they talk about the, the, adoption, the adoption of sons. That's a, a terrible, terrible translation. It, we should never speak in those terms. We are God's natural-born children. We have received his life. Now, those verses that talk about adoption are referring to sonship. And there's reasons for that. It, it, sonship is a legal matter. But because as children we have God's life, uh, you can't talk about the legal aspect of our being brought into the sonship as an adoption. It's much more accurate to say we, are, we receive the place of sons. That gives you a much better sense of what that word is talking about. Because we are God's natural-born children. But unfortunately, because Christians see this word adoption in the New Testament, they have this concept, so many do, that we are adopted as God's children, not his natural-born children. That really is uh, something of Satan's work to blind us to the fact that when we believe in Christ, because we receive God's divine life, we are his real, actual children. Praise the Lord for that. We are children of God. And because we are God's children, we also have, with the life, having the life of God, we also have the nature of God. And this, that's even harder for people to grasp. Uh, some, uh, a lot of Christians are clear that, that we have the life of God, but they're not clear that we have God's nature as well. But you can't receive, you can't have the life of something without having the nature of that thing. Uh, I can't have the human life without having the human nature. A fish cannot have the life of the fish without having the nature of a fish. It just, it's not possible. So when we receive God's divine life, we receive God's divine nature. That's 2 Peter 1 verse 4, which is a crucial verse in the New Testament. It says, we have been made partakers of the divine nature. So we have God's life. We also have God's nature. You know, in the, in the previous program, we, we said God gives us his life to bring us into relation with himself. Well, that's why he gives us this life. He wants us to have his nature so he can really fully bring us into relation with himself. Uh, I'll, I'll just use again the analogy I used last week. You know, if you have a dog or a cat, you have a relationship with them, you know. But you can never have the same relationship that you have with them that you have with one of your children because you don't have this, their nature. They don't, they don't share the human nature, but your child does. The reason why we can be fully brought into God's, uh, into relation with God is because we have his nature. Together, you know, individually, we're the children of God. Together, we're the bride of Christ. Praise the Lord for that. For sure, the bride of Christ has to have the same nature as Christ. So, uh, we have to be very clear. We have the divine nature. And the whole purpose about God giving us this life is to uplift our nature, to bring us into relation with himself. Praise the Lord for that. Um, and in fact, actually, and the New Testament is very clear about this, this life we've received is Christ himself. It's Christ himself coming to live within us to be our life and our, and our nature. Uh, and there's so many verses that talk about this in the New Testament. Uh, the night he, uh, he was betrayed in his prayer, high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus prayed in this way, verse uh, 26, John 17, 26. I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That's John 17, 26. And as I say, there's so many verses uh, that talk about this in the New Testament. And we'll list a, a number of them uh, in the notes for the podcast. Uh, Colossians 1, 27 says, speaks of Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a, a wonderful verse. Um, I, I've, in the first segment, I talked about Romans 8, verse 9. If you don't have Christ living, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, 
you you don't belong to him. But verse 10 says, but if Christ is in you, and I, I, there's so many more verses. This is a key point in the New Testament is understanding Christ now lives inside of us. You know, in uh, uh, when Jesus was born, uh, of course, he was laid in a manger. And I've said this before, uh, because there wasn't any room for him in the inn. And I think many of us, when we read this story in the Gospel of Luke, we feel badly and we say, well, if I was there, I would have given Jesus the best room. I would have honored Jesus. And But actually, maybe not. But but the point is, the what the Bible is showing us is that Jesus is looking for a home, but the home he really wants, he wants to make home in our heart. That's what he really wants to do. Uh, John, that's uh, Ephesians uh, 3, uh, verses 16 and 17 talk about this. Uh, he says, uh, and I have to find those. I didn't have those marked, but it's uh, it starts in verse 16. He talks about us being empowered. Verse 16 says uh, that God, Paul, the Apostle Paul is praying here that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit into the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith. Why does, why does uh, God want to strengthen us by his spirit into, his inner, into our inner man so Christ can make his home in our hearts through faith? This is such a key point in the New Testament. And that begins when we open our heart and receive the Lord so that he comes to live inside of us. Praise the Lord for that. And there's so many more points that uh, that we could talk about. We, we become a new creation when we believe in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, we have a new heart and a new spirit. That's Ezekiel verses, uh, 30, chapter 36, verses 25 and 26. I'll just read a 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's a wonderful verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise the Lord. And, and there's many, many points we could go on to cover regarding what happens to us uh, when we're born anew. But these are some of the key ones. I would add another thing that happens is that when we're born anew, our life becomes so meaningful. Now I suddenly realize there's a real purpose to my life. There's a real purpose to our existence. You know, if you're that empty bottle, even if you're a good, clean bottle, you're still empty. And you're always going to be wondering, what is the purpose of my existence? Why do I really exist? But when you're born anew, suddenly you realize my life has a real purpose. It has a real meaning. Now, what I can't tell you, what I can't tell you, when you're born anew, is that all your problems are going to be solved and there can't be any more problems between you and God after you're saved. That's not true. Uh, uh, the, we still are human beings. We're still going to live on this earth and we're still going, still going to have to deal with uh, all the, the human situations that people typically do. But thank the Lord, he's with us in our human situations. Praise the Lord for that. Um, it's also the case uh, be, you know, we talked before, you can have the assurance that your sins are forgiven, but we still have to be responsible before God for how we live our Christian life because we're going to have to answer to him in that regard. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, we're all going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So there can be some very serious problems between us and God, even after we're saved, even after our sins are forgiven. Yes, we have the assurance we're going to be with him for eternity, but between now and then, there could be some serious issues. And we've talked about that in some previous programs, so we won't get into that here. But I will say our life becomes so meaningful when we're born anew. When we receive this life, suddenly we realize uh, my life is a race. I have to run the race of the Christian life to enter into glory with Christ. You know, there, there's a wonderful picture of this in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. You know, they... Uh, they killed the Passover lamb and right away they had to leave Egypt and begin their journey into the good land. And that's, believe me, that's worth uh, a lot of programs, a lot of messages. It's just a wonderful picture of our Christian life. But it's showing us when we, so to speak, when we slay the Passover lamb, uh, John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Just like the Israelites, we need to have our staff in our hand and we need to exit out of Egypt and begin running the Christian race uh, to enter into glory with Christ. Um, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says, 
if you're in the Olympic Games, you're running to win a corruptible crown, but we're running to win an incorruptible crown. That's in verses, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 to 27. And other verses as well. All through our, his life, we see the Apostle Paul was running a race to enter into glory with Christ. And so that's, our life is so meaningful now because we have uh, this race to run, uh, to enter with Christ into glory. Praise the Lord. Well, there's so much to say uh, about uh, the new birth and so much more to say. We could um, spend a lot of programs on this and maybe we need to do some more. Uh, I've... Uh, I just feel my own speaking on this matter is so inadequate. May the Lord have mercy and cover it all. Uh, but uh, I w one thing I do want to do before we go off the air uh, is recommend a book on this matter, a very good book. Um, this is by a brother who's, uh, from whom I received a great deal of help. His, his name is Titus Chu, and the book is called Born Again, Our New Life in Christ. And uh, we'll link to that in the program notes. Uh, but it's a, it's a short book, but it just goes through a number of different Bible verses to show us what happens to us the moment we believe in Christ. And so I encourage you to get a copy of that book and to read it. Uh, again, uh, the book is Born Again, Our New Life in Christ by Titus Chu. And uh, that's out on Amazon. You can find it there. And I think that will give you a fuller picture of, of what the new birth is and what happens to us the moment we're born again. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I hope this has been helpful. And uh, may the Lord bless these words and use it for his sake and his glory. And um, Lord willing, we will be speaking with you again next week. You've been listening to the Christian Faith Radio Hour. You can visit us online at our website, thechristianfaith.org. And if you have comments or questions, send us an email at questions at thechristianfaith.org. And to listen to previous editions of this program, look for the Christian Faith Radio Hour podcast, which you can access via our website under the Media tab or directly on iTunes or Spotify.